This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. What is Advent? In Latin, Advent means coming. To the Christian, Advent is the celebration and the preparation of Jesus coming into the world. The season of Advent includes the four Sundays and weeks leading up to Christmas. It is meant to help the Christ follower remember the awaited Messiah has come and to remind us we are waiting for Jesus to come again and take us home. In today's episode, I sit down with Barbara Reock to talk about celebrating Advent with children. Barbara is the author of A Jesus Christmas, which is a family devotional that focuses on the ways God prepared the world for Jesus from Genesis to his arrival in the Gospels. Listen to what Barbara has to say about one key truth we can share with our children to help keep Jesus the focus of our celebrations. As we think of keeping Jesus central, and he is, he is the reason that we celebrate in every sense of the word. It's important for the kids to know who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? The kids don't see him. We're asking them to believe him. So who is he? Jesus is God's son. And he's not like any human being. He's not make-believe. He's not like Superman. Superman is pretend and he's somebody that we like to portray and, and have fun pretending with. But Jesus is not like Superman. Jesus is real. But Jesus is completely God. He's fully God and he is fully man. So your kids won't be able to wrap their minds around what that means. But as you start using those words, Jesus is real. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man. They will grow into an understanding of what that means. After today's episode, I hope you take away a few simple truths that will help you celebrate Advent with the children in your life this Christmas season. Good afternoon, Barbara. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Grace Enough podcast today. Well, thank you for having me, Amber. It's a joy to be with you. Will you go ahead and take a moment and just introduce yourself and your family and tell our listeners a little bit about what you do? Well, it is a wonderful life that God has given me. He, I delight in being his child, and I know that it is by grace that he has brought me into his family. I am a wife for 47 years to my wonderful husband, Ron, and we have three grown children who we dearly love and get to see quite frequently. And I am a grandmother to seven beautiful little wonderful children. That's so great. So great. So uh, for many years, I taught Bible study fellowship classes in several locations uh, around the world. And then for the last decade before entering this new phase of my life, I worked as the director of the children's program at Bible study fellowship at the headquarters in San Antonio, Texas. 
So, so here I am now. I, we live in Minneapolis, and I enjoy sitting at my desk and writing gospel-centered children's materials and articles yeah. and um, working on some other projects. And it's a joy to be still communicating God's truth through, through His Word. Well, take us back to when you first came to know Jesus and tell our listeners a little bit about how you first met Jesus. Well, that is a... Uh, a worthy thing to consider from time to time. So, you know, in God's providence, he used the life of our first child when Benjamin was still an infant uh, to lead us to Jesus. You know, as I held that newborn baby in my arms, I knew that life was no longer about myself and my husband and just trying to make a life for ourselves. We loved this little one with a love that we had never known before. It was just way beyond ourselves. And um, and yet there was really a profound awareness of it, me personally that I was weak and inadequate to love this child in the way that I knew would set him up for life. I had limitations. And so... Knowing all of this about myself, I, I joined a young mom's group, and uh, the leader of that group was a very mature woman. She had five children. She looked like she knew what she was doing, <laughs> and I, I knew this relationship was special, uh, although I didn't know you know, where her specialness came from. But just as she came alongside of me, she taught me a lot about the how-tos of being a mom by her words and her example. She also led me to Christ. Yeah, so, amazing. so just, I mean, over those two years of being my friend, I know she was praying for me as well mm-hmm. as coming alongside me. And when Christ reached out to me and gave me faith to believe. My life was radically changed, and his love filled me to the point that his love overflowed to my children. And that was just what I knew I needed. He gave me that desire to have more love. I just didn't know where that love was going to come from. Well, it came from Jesus. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome to hear a testimony, too, of people who you know, don't come to know Jesus until they're older, because it's really easy in Christian circles to assume that a lot of people come to know Christ at a young age. And that's just, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's any age. I know people from, Mm -hmm. you know, six years old up through grandparent age that come to know Jesus. It's never too late. Yes, it is never too late. The cement is a little harder. However, I think my life is a testimony to the fact that Jesus does restore the years that the locusts mm. have eaten. He he refreshed my heart and changed me. And yeah, old habits do die, die hard. hard. Yeah. But it's never, I mean, with the transforming power of Christ, nothing is impossible. That's and right. it gives him all the more glory. That's right. Well, something that we do have in common is Bible study fellowship, and it's something that I have been, I mean, blessed is is just not even the right word to be a part of. When I started studying God's word, the tool being through BSF, I mean, my life radically changed too, and I knew Mm -hmm. Jesus before that, but 
just beginning to deep more deeply understand his word is so transformative in and of itself. And so before we move on to what we're talking about today is Advent, tell our listeners a little bit about your time with BSF, just what it is, what impact mm-hmm. it's made on your life. You've lived around the world with it. And I just think it's such a testimony of God um, for you to share that. Mm. Well, yeah, um, Amber, you know that uh, the study of God's word, no matter what tool we use, is yes. is really the way to know him and love him. And But as a new follower of Jesus, I realized I did not know the word at all. Yeah. We were not in a church. Uh, we had not grown up with the Bible. So I knew God's word. Someone told me that Bible study fellowship was coming to our community. And I said right away, I know this is what I need. Somebody kind of jokingly said, they expect a lot of you. You actually I remember have those to. exact words <laughs> as a 22 year old girl. I was like, ah, right. Yeah. It, it could be a little scary. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm back in school. But I knew even though they were presenting it, like it was going to be a big hurdle for me to overcome, that this was exactly what I needed. I needed somebody to say, hey, these are the questions that you have before you, and each week we're going to talk about it. Each part of BSF was God's beautiful grace poured out to me to get to know and love him better. When I first started reading the Bible, I thought I would open it up and hear God telling me what I needed to do. (laughs) And it was only as I began to study the Word of God that I realized that the Bible is His voice, yeah. lovingly directing me to know Him. Yeah, And He wanted me to see that His beautiful plan was for sending His Son Jesus to rescue me. So several years down the road, uh, long before I was qualified or ready, I was asked to be a teaching leader. And even though I did not have what I would say experience, (laughs) um, I had God's call. And when God calls you to something, as you well know, it's often out of your inadequacies that he says, step forward with me in faith to do this, and I will show you that I am trustworthy. It's not about what you're bringing to me. It's about what I will give to you. Mm -hmm. And as I depended on him, I experienced his power uh, doing in me and through me what he had called me to do. Um, so 10 years down the road, uh, at, by this time, my husband is also a teaching leader and we experienced God calling us to go really anywhere where people were praying for Bible study fellowship classes. And in our case, that happened to be Cape Town, South Africa, where a small group of people had been gathering for two and a half years to pray for a BSF class. And we had the joy of leaving at that time. Uh, We took our daughter with us. She was 16 at the time and just began seven years of a wonderful journey of getting to know beautiful people who love God and his word and who are continuing to teach those classes to this day. So that's a a fantastic thing to know. But during those years that we were there, our grandchildren here in the United States began to be born. Oh, yes. And I began to feel that gap of 
the 10,000 mile distance, mm-hmm. um, how, how would we influence the next generation in our family when we live so far away? Well, that was God's part of prompting me to begin writing devotions for our grandchildren. Yeah. Because, as you know, the Bible Study Fellowship tools are so helpful. And there's a a document that comes out at Christmas and Easter that helps us to begin to think about teaching our children about those two important markers on the calendar. And so with those documents as a springboard, I wrote my first two books, Why Christmas and Why Easter? You know, just answering, answering those two pretty basic questions that children might not articulate, but have in their hearts. What's the big deal about Christmas? Well, we know our culture sure makes a big deal out of those two uh, holidays, but it's wrapped around um, the Easter bunny and Santa Claus and gifts and candy and all of that. So what, how do we teach our children the real truths about Christmas and Easter? And that's where those books came from. But we returned to the United States, and I was asked to be the director of the children's program at the international headquarters in San Antonio. And that was a delight for me. I could see how God had already given me a passion for reaching the next generation with the truths of Christ. And nothing has thrilled me more than to see the great truths of the gospel change kids' lives. Yeah. It's been my joy and privilege. Well, what is Advent and why is it important for us to celebrate and recognize it? Well, I thought that was such a good question. And I, you know, Advent is one of those words that we know, but we don't know what it means. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I get really um, basic on here. (laughs) I'm so glad you do. It, It really helps us to parse it out and understand it. Advent is the time leading up to Christmas. It's as simple as that in terms of definition. But we also know that it's a time to anticipate the coming. Um, why is it important? Well, it's a time to teach the deeper truths of what we're celebrating. A friend of mine told me about the time when her six-year-old son came home from school and he, and he asked her, Mommy, does our family believe in Santa Claus? And this mom felt that her son was kind of caught between two worlds. She kind of felt caught there, too. And she thought to herself, you know, it, it's really not wrong to enjoy Christmas tradition. And it's really, it isn't harmful to have a little fun with make-believe. But as she thought about it some more, she thought, but but believing really doesn't have a point unless what you believe is true. Mm. And she knew that Christmas promises us so much more joy and deeper lasting truth than than what tradition ever could. And so she wondered, how, how can we start to help this child ask bigger questions like, yeah. what does our family believe about Jesus? And what's the purpose of life? What, what does true happiness even look like? Mm-hmm. And so Advent is important because it's another time for parents to pass along the great truths of the gospel Mm -hmm. and to just know that God's word has the power to change kids' lives. 
this uh, young mom and her husband ended up taking uh, their two children, ages four and six at the time, uh, through a Jesus Christmas last year. Mm-hmm. And she told me it's their new tradition <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to, to open up God's word together and go through these truths together. It, that's the true meaning of Advent. Well, in speaking about that, it's, you know, being a mom to three young children, Advent and the Christmas season in general can feel so overwhelming between Mm -hmm. the shopping is is really, in my opinion, the minor Mm -hmm. part of it. It's the hustle Mm -hmm. and bustle of this Christmas party and this Christmas play and, you know, even, even church commitments. And so what are just some practical non-stressful ways to participate in Advent as a family? Oh, Amber, that is such a a loaded question. I know. And (laughs) something that every young parent wrestles with. I talked with my daughter about this question beforehand because you were kind enough to to let me know that this was something you wanted to discuss. And we, she and I talked about just starting with asking yourself, what is making it stressful? Why do I feel like this time is stressful? If it's the gifts, if it's the parties, the extra food that's usually needing to prepare, all the events my daughter mentioned the large groups of people getting together mm-hmm. and then the the sickness that's passed oh, around, yeah. <laughs> worrying, worrying about the contagions of that time. Uh, a big one can be family expectations. Mm-hmm. And just as you think through what is your identifiable stress producing factor, put some boundaries around it. Yeah. Uh, choose one or two events. If gifts are the issue, think of small things, service or expressions of love that you can show to others. And then most of all, make time for what is the ultimate stress reliever. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We don't just call him that for nothing. He It is the truth. He ushers peace into our hearts as we make him central in our family's life. Jesus is the greatest gift that our children could ever receive. So the main goal, if it is true, and it is, and we know that the main goal is to keep Christ central at Christmas, um, that's where the peace will be found. The stress will be pushed aside. And even in our desiring to do that, we can make that stressful. So I would also say, keep it simple. Keep Christ central in a simple way. And it will be far from simplistic. It will just be simple in terms of time and activity. Think of your children. If you have a two-year-old, you're probably going to make your time talking about opening God's Word reading a couple of of verses and singing a song, looking at a picture, two minutes. Uh, That's my simple kind of uh, framework. If you have a two-year-old, it's two minutes. If you have a five-year-old, it's five to seven minutes. Um, And you can go up from there as as you respect your child's limits for understanding. It's not elaborate. It's just simple, and it's what brings them joy. It's what sets a tradition for them that they will remember 
for years to come and that you will be able to layer on in years to come. Yeah, and I think, too, being a parent now of a nine, a seven, and a Mm -hmm, mm three-year-old, that the biggest struggle for me was when I only had one, it was super fun and easy to do Advent and really just (laughs) joyful. Yes. And then as I added another one, it got harder, and it's so easy for us to enter into that phase of guilt when I am always, I mean, I think I've said this the last four weeks in a row on episodes, but guilt is not from Christ. Like he does Mm -hmm. not want you to feel guilt. So if you're struggling so much to get the advent done, whatever you may be doing, it's okay to take a break for a few days and say, the next time we're at family dinner, we're just going to sit down and speak of something that points towards Christ. Mm-hmm. And let mm-hmm. yourself off the hook a little bit with the pressure of if I commit to this every single day has to be done exactly like they say. Mm-hmm. And because we I just would get myself so worked up. And so that's been <laughs> huge in our family devotional time. Oh, yes, Amber, that that is really a worthy point to make. I, I just think we step into the area of trying to make it make the tradition the main thing instead Mm -hmm. of keeping Christ central, because there's lots of ways to keep Christ central other than uh, sticking to a a particular time and method. Absolutely. So yeah, don't make it about the method or, or the system or the tradition, make it about Christ. And it, I know when my children were very, very young, just opening the book and looking at a picture or drawing a picture and allowing it, you tap into what your child's creativity is and, and let them flow with that without having to dictate what that should be. Yeah. And another one that we, you know, used, we still use particularly with my three and seven year old is just our little nativity scenes that are around Mm -hmm. often when the younger children pick it up It's just a neat opportunity to be like, well, do you know who that is? And, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll say yes and sometimes no. And it's a time where you can say, oh, well, this person was awaiting baby Jesus or, you know, these people are bringing gifts to him, but it didn't happen right away. It took time. And those little truths are just, they can take you 30 seconds. But when you do them every single year throughout life, you know, those habits begin to form in their mind about what they're waiting for. Yes, and they are layering the information, and pretty soon it'll start to come together. Absolutely. Well, and we're speaking about this already, but I'm going to just, you know, ask you your take on it. Do you feel it is possible for young children to grasp the concept of waiting for the coming Messiah? Well, that is a very interesting question because waiting is what God had his people doing for hundreds of years, <laughs> hundreds of years. And, and aren't we still waiting now? We are waiting yes. more. So waiting is a key term and it's hard to grasp for any age group, I think. Uh, it takes maturity to understand what the value of waiting is, you know, we as older people can understand a little bit more God's perfect timing and things and how he has to get everything together. And at just the right time, he does things. We also, as adults are trying to learn uh, that there's joy in anticipating what he has ahead, what he has Mm -hmm. promised 
he will do. We know he has such purpose in us getting to know who he is and being content in who he is while we wait for what he promised. So our children will not understand all of that, but uh, we can try to connect those truths to their world in something that they do know. And what they do seem to be in tune with is that it takes a while for a baby to be born. Mm. Even if you don't have another child, they love hearing about the time when they were in mommy's tummy. Yeah. Mommy and daddy had to wait a long time until you were born. Nine months is a long time, but every day there was something new that was happening to you while you were growing inside yeah. your one day your fingers were were growing and the next day your toes were growing and your lungs that would help you breathe all of that had to grow and be just right for you to be born and every day mommy and daddy were getting ready for that time we were getting your bed ready we were getting the room ready we got the blankets you know just all that kind of beautiful detail helps your child understand that it it is hard to wait but there is something happening to get right <laughs> get it ready get yeah. the world ready yeah and god is like that doctor who is saying it's hard to wait, but you're just fine. And there will be a perfect day uh, for this birthday. And so God was getting the world ready for Jesus. It took time. It was hard for people to wait, but God had the promises that he had given them and he would do what he said. And God gave them time to get more and more excited. So I, you know, that may not be an example that works in everybody's home, right. but you could even for older children, think about waiting, counting down the days for Christmas. Yes. And counting down the days to their own birthday. And there you go. Exactly. And they're waiting for that gift that they've asked for. They're wondering if it's going to come, but who do they know? They know their mommy and daddy. Yeah. And they know that even if they don't get exactly what they want, yeah. that mommy and daddy can be trusted to give them what they what they need. Yeah, I do love that concept of relating it to them and something that's familiar to them. Mm-hmm. Because yes. that is really a way, particularly for young children, that help them understand what's actually going on in the story. Yes. So that's a really good tip. Well, what are a few of the most important elements of Advent and Christmas that you feel like parents can emphasize with their children or maybe should emphasize with their children? I think as we think of keeping Jesus central, and he is, he is the reason that we celebrate in every sense of the word. It's important for kids to know who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Yeah. The kids don't see him. We're asking them to believe him. So who is he? Jesus is God's son, and he's not like any human being, and he's he's not make-believe. He's not like Superman. Superman mm-hmm. is pretend, and he's somebody that we like to portray and, and have fun pretending with, but Jesus is not like Superman. Jesus is real, Yeah. but Jesus is completely God. He's fully God, and he is fully man, so 
your kids won't be able to wrap their minds around what that means. But as you start using those words, Jesus is real, Jesus is fully God, Jesus is fully man, they will grow into an understanding of what that means. So it's important for them to know who is Jesus. It's also important for them to know why Jesus came. So before the world began, God planned to send Jesus to us, and God knew that we needed Jesus to rescue us. And that's how much God loved us. God sent Jesus to rescue us Mm -hmm. so that we could be God's child forever. And so if you have a two-year-old, that's what you're going to tell them. If you have a five-year-old, you're going to include Jesus came to rescue us from the sin in our hearts Mm -hmm. so that he could push aside that sin and we would be filled with faith to love God and be his child forever. So you add concepts as the child grows. So who is Jesus? Why did Jesus come? And then thirdly, what is my response? Um, Jesus came to give us the greatest gift of all, himself. Mm -hmm. And just as we receive a gift at Christmas, we receive Jesus. We believe who he is. We believe why he came. And God says, here he is. We receive him. We receive him by believing who he is and loving him. And at the same time as we love him, he pushes away our our old way of thinking and acting and living for ourselves and makes it all about him. And, and that's where our true fulfillment and joy will come. So, so those are the three big things I think as parents, if we could keep that in mind and then wherever our child is in their age, just make it as simple as can be, but as they are ready to layer on more truths about those three areas. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about your devotional that you did write, Um, and my family is actually going to work through it for the first time this year, a Jesus Christmas, and so I'm excited about that. And you told us a little bit about what, you know, why you were led to write that primarily for your grandchildren while living abroad, but if a family chooses to use that devotional, what can they expect? Well, I think they can expect the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. And that's to get our child's heart ready to receive Christ. We as parents, as grandparents are given the charge to disciple our children, Mm -hmm. but we cannot change their hearts. So we're going to open God's word. We are, are going to, uh, when, when we do that, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to come and enter in and give our children, open the eyes of their heart yeah. <laughs> to, to see Jesus. And I have seen this happen with children, that, that they see the great truths of the gospel and that their lives are forever changed. Many point back to these formative years as being uh, the years that God really got a hold of them and um, and made them into new creatures. So yeah. it is a beautiful thing to see. And so um, that's that's why I wrote it. I, I think as a family looks at a Jesus Christmas, they will see 25 ways of God's promise for sending Jesus unfold. And so we start right in Genesis 
because we see that right at the beginning of God's word, he told us about his amazing plan to send his son. Mm -hmm. But what we also see happen right there at the beginning of God's story in Genesis is the serpent lying to God's people. Mm-hmm. So right from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, we hear the promises of God. We also see how the serpent lied to Adam and Eve, and he's giving us the same lies in our everyday experience since that time. And so a Jesus Christmas traces the promises of Jesus along with the lies of the enemy that try to dispute God's promises every step of the way. But what we see is the glorious truth of Christmas beats Satan's lies every time. Yeah. And so that is the theme that is followed throughout the 25 days of a Jesus Christmas. And the, the method is to allow parents to open the Bible. They'll read a passage of scripture as a family every day, just short, right? five verses, I believe, for every day, to keep God's word central. Uh, there's a couple of good questions that will spawn family discussion, asking the parents to be just as transparent as we're asking the kids so that we have, it's not a top-down type of discussion. It's a real uh, in, it embraces interactive. interactive and engages all ages. And then one other feature to the book is a journaling page. Yeah, I saw that. Family members are encouraged to journal in whatever way they do. It might be words, it might be pictures, stories, poems, it could be songs that a family writes together, whatever helps you to remember the mighty work of God as you have studied his word. I I love that I've heard a lot from parents about the journaling page that it helped their kids to process what they had learned. Yeah, I mean, I can see that because my I journal back and forth to my kids, my older two, not every night, but on a fairly regular basis. And there is just something about, you know, I think we all sometimes can put what we're thinking down on paper a little bit more than we can articulate in words sometimes, because you have the freedom to think, you know, not on the spot. Mm -hmm. And so that can be really helpful. And I do just want to encourage people too, who may be listening that have a, you know, a wide age range of kids like I do. I mean, it can just get so crazy with your youngest one, and so it can become discouraging. But we've just gotten to where we just try to redirect him and keep him, you know, at the table and kind of ask him a few questions while we are also asking the other two and give him a little bit of freedom to move around because it can be hard to do that with all kids with various ages, but it's certainly possible. Yes. And just to to recognize that even though they're roaming around, they don't seem to be right with you at the table and interested. They are hearing everything. And and they love to especially listen to what your older kids have to say. (laughs) And one of the biggest things with little kids is just teaching them to have certain expectations that go on in your family, even if they're not participating. Uh Like just because they see you do something consistently over time, eventually that that becomes their habit as well. Just, you know, mm-hmm. I know this is what we do once they're a little bit older, they're kind of more um, apt to understand like, yeah, we've been doing this my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it a lot easier. And in a few years, as you are patient, they will be up on their, on your lap too, or yes. sitting in the chair, but it, it's coming. It is <laughs> coming. That's right. 
Uh, well, most families have Christmas traditions, and so I just wanted to ask you, what were some of your family's favorite Christmas traditions when the kids were growing up, and maybe even now with grandkids? Well, you know, we had fun making a particular type of cookie, Christmas yeah. cookie. My husband comes from more of an Italian background, and so uh, we we made the family recipe. Oh, yes. Uh, we decorated the tree and, and had a lot of homemade ornaments there to remind us of years past. Of course, when we moved to South Africa, we had a wire Christmas tree. <laughs> That's right. And all the all of a sudden it was summer in in the winter, you know, when we were used to the snow oh, falling. Such all a, a sudden, difference. Was, uh, such a difference. Time to go to the beach. So we've we found that our traditions were shaken a little bit yeah. by moving to a different culture. And we entered in. It it really worked to kind of shake us loose of some of the things that we had held dear and associated perhaps too closely with, yeah. with um, the celebration of the season. But all that to say, Christmas carols are cross-cultural and beautifully a beautiful reminder of the gospel truths. We love singing and we love acting out Luke 2 on oh, Christmas fun. morning before the gifts come out. And that is a tradition that is carried on in our family today. So those are some of the real highlights. When our kids were little, there were not as many devotions available. So we do have some of those options available today, but opening the Word of God and reading Luke 2 is a, a glorious way to celebrate and keep Christ central. Absolutely. Well, Barbara, thank you for talking to us about Advent today. And I had mentioned to you earlier, I definitely would love to have you back on the show to talk about redemptive parenting. And I feel like that's something I need extra grace and help with. So maybe we can do that in the future. But I am going to close the show just asking you um, one of the questions that I ask a lot of our, our guests on the show, and that is if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great-grandchildren and offer them some wisdom, what is something you would like to share with them? I do think most people today struggle with knowing themselves. Who am I? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? And I believe that it would be most helpful for me to pass on to our next generations in our family. Uh, first of all, my prayer that they would know and love God, because only God can really impress their minds and hearts with that truth. But in my words, in my life, in my action, in um, just my everyday communication with them, I want to communicate that the purpose of our life is to know God and love him, to enjoy him and glorify him forever. And we do that through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He gives us the fulfillment, the joy, the satisfaction that we are longing for. And the world will say we can find it in all sorts of ways. But the truth is, it only comes through God and the gift of yeah. his son, Jesus. So true. So true. Well, thank you so much again for today, Barbara. Okay, thank you, Amber. It was great talking with you today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
I apologize for the technical glitches, but sometimes those things are out of our control, so I appreciate your commitment to listening. If you are listening to this episode during the week of November 19th, 2019, and are interested in Barbara's devotional, A Jesus Christmas, I will be giving away a copy on my Instagram account, graceenoughpodcast underscore amber, beginning Thursday, November 21st. Hop over and enter to win. You can find everything we discussed today at graceenoughpodcast.com under the show notes tab, episode 45 with Barbara Reock. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.